Well, hey there, Walnut Hill. So my name is Greg. I'm one of the youth pastors here. And today I get to hang out with you guys. So welcome. I am glad you are here, whether you are uh, gathered here in this room with us or wherever you find yourself watching online, whether you're in Texas, like my dear friends, the Friendsons, or if you're in Benson, Arizona, like my mom. Hi, mom. Love you. I am glad that you are here. It's going to be a good day. So we have been working our way through this series talking about Jesus. We've been talking about who he is, what he does, what he is going to continue to do. We've talked about how uh, Jesus is greater. We talked about how Jesus is undefeated. He is healer. He's compassionate. He is all-powerful. Jesus is forgiving. Last week, we talked about how Jesus is Lord. And today, we're looking at this idea that Jesus is a world changer. Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the Savior of the world, changed the world 2,000 years ago when he came. When he provided the way of salvation for all of mankind, Jesus changed the world. But he continues to change the world today. Now, there are a lot of people who have changed the world. Um, I think about people like Richard Jones. Richard Jones was a, a naval engineer. And in 1943, he was trying to design a, a power meter to measure and monitor power on naval battleships. And he was working with some tension springs to create this power meter. And one of them got bumped off the table onto the floor and it bounced back and forth. And the slinky was born. <laughs> yeah. Is there anyone here who has not used a slinky? See, Richard Jones changed the world. I think about people like Harry Coover. Harry Coover was trying to create a, a clear plastic to make transparent gun sights during World War II. And what he created did not work in any way, shape, or form as any kind of usable plastic. But what they discovered is that when what he did create was applied to two surfaces and they were touched together, they bonded instantly without having to apply pressure or heat and superglue was born. Man, we've all used superglue. Harry Coover changed the world. I think about someone like Frank Epperson. In 1905, Frank Epperson was an 11-year-old boy. And he was trying to create for himself a, 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 a fruity-flavored drink. But as often happens with 11-year-old boys, he got distracted, and he left his fruity concoction out on the front porch overnight. And when he woke up the next morning, it was frozen solid, and the popsicle was born. <laughs> yeah, anybody not had a popsicle? <laughs> Frank Epperson changed the world. We've all experienced the joy that is the slinky, right? We've all benefited from superglue. We've all had a popsicle. But do you notice what all three of those people have in common? They all changed the world accidentally. They all changed the world accidentally. None of them set out to do those things. They certainly weren't seeking to, to change the world. It, it just sort of happened. When Jesus changed the world... It was purposeful. Everything Jesus did and said was intentional 
and purposeful. And that's the key to understanding today's verses. Because as you look at this story today, it, it kind of seems like Jesus is being sort of a jerk. Right? I mean, this woman comes to Jesus and she begs him to help her daughter. And Jesus just blatantly ignores her. Matthew 15, 21 to 23. Jesus left Galilee, went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And a Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She is bothering us with all her begging. It, it seems kind of rude. And you don't change the world by being rude. Verse 24, Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. Again, at, at, at first glance, it seems like he's being sort of a jerk. He's being really rude. Verse 25 says, but she came and worshiped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. She desperately needs his help. And in verse 26, it says, Jesus responded, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. Wait, what? Did, did Jesus just call this woman a, a dog? Like, what, what is going on? Verse 27, she replies, that's true, Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great, your request is granted, and her daughter was instantly healed. So wait, did, did, did he just completely change his mind? No, it was part of how he changed the world. Let's go back, take a closer look, see what's really going on here. Verse 24, Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. But verse 21 tells us really clearly, it says Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Now, geographically, that is very clearly well outside of Israel. He is deliberately in Gentile territory. He, he's left Israel and he is going to the Gentiles. If, if he really didn't want to help the Gentiles, not only would he not have left Israel, but he would have listened to his disciples in verse 23 when they said, tell her to go away. She's bothering us with all her begging. It, it might seem like he's ignoring her, but actually he's ignoring the disciples. And he's engaging her in conversation. That was purposeful. I believe that Jesus always fully intended to help this woman. And the conversation wasn't just for her benefit. It was for the disciples. And for us. Jesus purposefully engaged in this conversation to show his disciples what the kingdom of God was all about. Because that's how you change the world. Not by speaking, but by doing, by showing, by leading. The, the disciples have been shaped by their, their environment, by their, their society. 
women are not valued. The, the Jews are God's chosen people. So this Gentile woman and her needs and concerns are not at all important to the disciples. But Jesus is about to change their perspective and change the world. Verse 25, when Jesus says, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs, he's quoting the, the prevailing thought and philosophy of the day. This is for us, not for you. He knows that that's what the disciples are thinking. And he's getting their attention. It's, it's almost like he's, he's purposefully delaying helping this woman. Why, why would he do that? To drive home the point. Jesus does that often. He delays to make sure that people are paying attention. Think about Mark chapter 5. Jairus comes in and he pleads with Jesus, similarly to, to this woman. Jairus says, my little daughter is dying. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. And Jesus takes his sweet time in getting there. He, he even stops on the way to heal someone else. And in verse 35, it says, while he was still speaking to her, while he was still talking with this woman that he healed on his way to heal Jairus' daughter, while he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and they told him, your daughter is dead. There is no use troubling the teacher now. But then he heals her. He raises her from the dead. Why would he wait? Well, part of it, I think, is because if he, if he healed a sick girl, there are some who would say, well, she was already getting better. She wasn't really that sick. She was already starting to feel better. But you raise a girl from the dead? That's a lot harder to deny. John chapter 11. Mary and Martha, they, they send word to Jesus that their brother Lazarus is sick. But verses 5 and 6 tell us, although Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Jesus waited two full days before going to Lazarus. Why would he do that? I think, again, because resurrecting a dead Lazarus is much more noticeable than healing a sick Lazarus. It was purposeful. And Jesus is doing the same thing here with this Gentile woman. He's delaying to make sure that he has the attention of the disciples. He wants to heal the woman's daughter and change their world. But he also wants the disciples to see and hear and understand that the kingdom of God is for everyone. He wants to make sure that each of the disciples hear that message. Because that's how Jesus changes the world. One life at a time. Jesus changed the lives of individuals so that they would then go out and change the world also. Luke chapter 10. It's a story you might be familiar with. Uh, there's a, 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 an expert in religious law. And he's talking with Jesus. And the expert asks Jesus the, the the question, who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan, right? There's a man who's, who's walking and he gets beaten and robbed and left for dead on the side of the road. And a couple of people just walk by and leave him there, people who should have known better, 
people who should have acted better. But then the Samaritan, the, the, the hated Samaritan, came and took care of the man. And in verses 36 and 37, Jesus asks this man, the, the expert in religious law, Jesus says, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? And the man replied, well, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Jesus is saying the same thing to us. This is what Jesus expects from us. When he changes our lives, we should go and do the same. That's part of what he meant in Matthew 28, 19, when he said, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm pretty sure that, that everybody in this room has a story of how Jesus touched and changed your life. If I were to invite someone, I could see some people nodding. If I were to invite you up, I'm not going to, but if I were to ask you to come up, you would have a story of how Jesus touched your life and changed your life. But the question is, how many of you have stories about lives you have touched and changed because of Jesus? Let me tell you about a few more people who, who changed the world. There are people who, who changed the world in a way that they had a direct impact on your life. Peter Dahl. Peter Dahl was a, a German photographer. And in 1978, he was working on a book about US military aircraft. And he came to Connecticut to take pictures of various aircraft at the Air National Guard base near um, Bradley Airport. And the information officer who was assigned to house and escort Peter Dahl was my dad. Peter came and stayed at our house for two weeks. I was 10 years old. And that two weeks changed my life. Peter Dahl was the first adult I had ever met who treated me like an equal. He didn't talk down to me. He didn't speak to me like I was some little kid who didn't matter. He genuinely wanted to know me. He, he wanted to know who I was and what I was about. He, he wanted to know what I was interested in, and he actually wanted to spend time with me doing those things. I had never experienced that before from anyone. I actually cried the day Peter Dahl left. And I knew at 10 years old that when I grew up, I wanted to be like Peter Dahl. I wanted to be that kind of adult. Peter Dahl changed my life. Bobby Burns. Bobby Burns married my mom's younger sister, Lori, when I was a kid. And much like Peter, uh, Bobby spoke to me like an equal. As an awkward, socially clueless teenager, Bobby got me. He understood me. He encouraged me. He wanted to be around me and spend time with me. He was an amateur magician, and he taught me this amazing card trick that I can still do today. If you have a deck of cards, come and see me later. I'll do the most amazing trick. And whenever Bobby would do a magic trick for me, I would always say, do it again. And Bobby would look at me and he would say, once is magic, twice is education. <laughs> Bobby shaped and changed my world. And I knew that when I grew up, I wanted to be like Bobby. Bobby Burns changed my world. Charlie. 
Charlie was actually kind of famous. If I told you who Charlie was, some of you in this room, some of you watching online would recognize him. He was sort of a, a minor celebrity. And if I told you who he was, you would, you would recognize the name. Charlie and my dad were college roommates. My family and Charlie's family would get together regularly. We, we camped together. Uh, we would go to their house in New Jersey. They would come to our house. And much like Peter and Bobby, Charlie got me. He wanted to know me. He wanted to spend time with me. One summer, I actually got to go to his house for a week by myself and just hang out with him. Charlie saw my, my odd sense of humor, and rather than be bothered by it, he encouraged it. Charlie helped me to understand who I was. He encouraged me to be me, not what someone else thought I should be. I am who I am today in part because of Charlie. Charlie changed my world. Now, here's the thing. None of those three people were trying to change the world, but they changed me. They were each just, just living out their lives. They were, they were doing what they had been created to do. None of them went to school to learn how to change the world. None of them sought me out to change me or to fix me. They, they were just living out a part of their calling. And each of them changed my life. I, I am so grateful for Peter and Bobby and Charlie and so many others because each of them played a significant role in shaping me, in turning me into the man that I am today. And for the last 29 years, I am doing ministry in one form or another. And that ministry was in part formed because of those three men. And for the last 16 years, I've been here at Walnut Hill leading 56ers. 16 years of 56ers. Between 56ers and middle school and high school, I have had direct spiritual impact on, on hundreds, probably into the thousands of students' lives. Certainly because of Jesus, but also because of Peter Dahl, because of Bobby Burns, because of Charlie. Each of them changed my world. And now, here I am today, hopefully, changing your world. I want to try and change your world, not by what I'm saying, but by what, I, by what I want to encourage you to do today. Three things. First, identify the people in your life who have influenced your life. The people who have poured into your life. The people who have impacted and shaped who you are because of who they were, because of what they did. Identify them specifically. Make a list. Name them. Make a list of those people and what they did. Be specific. What did they do and how are you different because of them? Make that list. Then second, as you look at that list of people, tell them. Contact them. Get in touch with them. Tell them what they did. Do it today if you can, by the end of the week at the very latest. Go down that list. See them face to face if, if, if you can. Call them if you can't. Make contact with them. Tell them what they did for you. Tell them how they, they shaped and changed your world. Be specific and thank them. Thank them for how they poured into your life, for what they did for you. 
Now, if you can't contact them, either because they're, they're not with us anymore or if, if life has just happened and they, they've, they've moved along and you've lost track of them, at the very least, spend a few minutes in prayer and thank God for putting those people into your life. And then third, be aware of who you are pouring into. Are you influencing the life of, of, of anyone else? Or do you find yourself being like the disciples in verse 23? Right? The disciples said, tell her to go away. She's bothering us with all of her begging. Do you, do you send people away because it's easier? Do you, do you miss opportunities to change someone's life, to change someone's world because you're busy? Jesus changed the world one life at a time. And the expectation is that we will go and do the same. Think about the people in your life right now, the people that you have influence over. Are you pouring into them? Are you changing their lives? Are you making their lives better because of who you are and because of what Jesus has done for you? If you can answer that question with a yes, man, great. Keep doing that. But if your answer is no, or if, if, if you're not sure really, what will you need to do differently? What will you need to do to impact someone's life and make it better? Now, let me be super clear. I am not talking about taking someone on as your pet project. I'm not talking about you taking someone on to fix them. I'd been following Jesus for only two or three years. Uh, and my wife Paula and I met this couple uh, who seemed like they wanted to be friends with us. But it soon became really clear that what was happening was that they didn't think we were doing this Jesus thing the right way. And they became friends with us to help us, to change us, to fix us. If you have never had the experience of being someone else's pet project, let me just tell you, it is not an enjoyable thing. Nobody wants to be someone else's project. So I'm not talking about you looking for someone that you can fix. I'm asking you to share who and what you are with someone else. Now, we know a lot of you are waiting for the Star Wars reference. So as the worship team starts making their way back up, here's your Star Wars reference for the day. Episode 7. Ray and Finn, they're being chased by stormtroopers. And they jump into the ship that turns out to be the Millennium Falcon. Super exciting moment. And they take off, and now they're being chased by TIE fighters. And Finn shoots a couple of them down, but there's still one left. And as he's trying to shoot that last one down, the, the, the blaster takes a hit and gets stuck in this downward position. And he can't move it, so he can't take out that last TIE fighter. And Finn yells up to Ray and tells her what's going on. And she says, okay, get ready. And Finn says, okay, for what? And she doesn't tell him. But then she flies the Millennium Falcon straight up into the air. And then as she cuts the power and the Millennium Falcon drops back down, it places that blaster in the perfect position for Finn to take out that last TIE fighter. Ray's a pilot. She, she's doing what she was created to do, to fly. Finn is a stormtrooper. 
He's doing what he was created to do, to shoot. Neither of them set out to do that. Neither of them had to learn a new skill to do that. They just did what they were created to do. Ray used her gifts to maneuver the ship, enabling Finn to best use his gifts to do what needed to get done. So how are you using your gifts? How are you maneuvering your life to put others in the best position to do and to be what they were created to do and to be? When you share who and what you are with others, you change the world one life at a time. That's how Jesus changed the world. Will you go and do the same thing? Let's pray. Father, we know that you love us. Father, we know that because not only have you given us Jesus, but you place people in our lives. You place people to mold us, to shape us, to change us, that we can become the men and the women that you have created us to be. Father, help us in the coming days to recognize the people that you have placed in our lives that we would give thanks for them. But Father, show us opportunities. Show us the people that you would have us pour into, that we would shape and change lives because of what you have done in us and through us. Father, give us opportunities to go and change the world for your kingdom and for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name.